Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and welcome to the Jewel Network. The Jewel Network is a radio frequency of continuous streaming knowledge and wisdom which promotes and sustains the activation of the present evolutionary process of immortality and the unfolding of the God Self within the evolving planetary society presently on planet Earth. The Jewel Network is committed to teaching the sciences of life and the science of living. By cultivating the mind of a scientist, you will be able to extract the very best the current century has to offer. You are listening to the Melanology Hour with your host, microbiologist, preventative medicine and hygiene physician, Dr. Jewel Pogram, MD, and biomedical researcher, physiological psychologist, and professor, Dr. Timothy Owens-Moore. Join them each Wednesday at 7 p.m. on the Jewel Network, hosted by thejewelnetwork.net. everyone how are you and welcome to the melanology hour i'm your host dr jewel pukram and my co-host dr timothy moore is here hi dr moore how are you greetings dr jewel i'm doing fine how are you doing today oh fabulous and as you all know out there world that this program is brought to you by the jewel network justify the enchantment with enlightened living broadcasting to you the sciences of life and living. And so today we have a wonderful program for you. Remember, the brain is 70% water, so please get a glass of water, your pads and pencils, and we are going to talk about psychology and melanin today. Is that right, Doc? Well, to be more specific, uh, melanin and psychopathology. So not just psychology, but the pathology that occurs in the brain as a result of melaninated cells not working properly. So that's what we're going to deal with today. Melanin and psychopathology, not just psychology. Did everybody get that? Now write that down. We're talking about psychopathology today. So we'll be right back after this message. And boy, is this going to be exciting. We'll be right back. Would you like to be smarter? More at peace in your life? Are you searching for a greater spiritual connection? All of this and much more can be yours by enrolling in Dr. Jewel's Balancing Program. Many participants feel effects from day one, and in no time you can enjoy the physiological effects equal to eight hours of meditation in as little as 15 minutes a day. To learn more and sign up for Dr. Jewel's Balancing Program, please visit our website, www.thejewelnetwork.net. Greetings. If you just tuned in, welcome to the Melanology Show. I'm your host, Dr. Jewel Pukram, and your co-host, Dr. T. Owens Moore, is here with us. And today we are talking about melanin and psychopathology. So, Dr. Moore, why don't you start us out with this very intriguing topic? What is psychopathology? Okay, well, again, thank you for the invitation to be here with you for an hour to revolutionize the world and a topic that is uh, really interesting for the world to know about, that is melanin. So as we start with melanin, as we've tried to reiterate to our community, it is a complex biopolymer. It's a pigment, but it's a complex biopolymer that has multiple like chemical species that exist in it. So as a substance, it is an attractant. It takes in. It absorbs. So that's what black does as a color. It absorbs, takes in. So if we say melanin and psychopathology, we're speaking of in the brain, there are cells that are melanated. That is, they contain the substance that draws in and can take in chemicals and process. So when we have explained to our audience over the coming of the past weeks, the melanin serves as an antioxidant. It prevents the destruction of cells by preventing 
the toxic buildup in cells. So it neutralizes damage to make sure your cells can maintain a healthy state of functioning. So what is pathology? Pathology is when you have diseased tissue. The tissue no longer functions properly. So if you say melanin psychopathology, we're talking about destruction of cells in the brain, and then that's going to have an impact what on behavior. So we'll try to break that down, discuss that, and pretty much really simplify it. Some of the problems that occur when the brain does deteriorate uh, pertain to like oxidation, oxidative stress. So in that word oxidative, we're speaking about oxygen. Oxygen is what we breathe in order for us to exist. Without oxygen, we aren't able to survive. But oxygen can also be toxic. Let's use an example. So, Dr. Jewel, you're exercising now, right? <laughs> I'm laughing, so I don't do yes. it all the time. Stop okay. it. Yes, I do. But, yes, I right. am. I'm, I'm uh, what is it, spinning. I'm spinning now. How about yes. that? Will you be a good example for me? Why am I saying that? Because you said sometimes you exercise. That means you might have a bike in your garage, <laughs> right? So if you have an old-school bike in your garage, and you may have ridden it, let's say, a couple of months ago, and you hadn't picked it back up again, and you actually rode it when it was raining, you put it in your garage, and you let it sit there, and since you laughed at me, that means you didn't exercise in a couple of weeks since riding no, the bike. That's not, no, 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 I've been I'm regular but I was just laughing at how you said that. Okay, right. but no, I've been right. regular. I spend them all. We just use this hypothetically. I didn't say you were an exercise. All I'm okay. saying is, as an example, if you didn't pick that bike up again after a couple of weeks and the bike was wet and now it's sitting out there in the open, the oxygen in the air can make that metal on the bike do something. What would it happen? What would happen to that metal on that bike? It starts to deteriorate. Oxidize. Oxidize in what forms on that bike, well, that metal? It would start turning brown because the iron would come out of it and some other things. What, what do you call that brown stuff? It's rust. Yes. That's not really a good thing. True? Yeah. So on the outside or in the real world, when you look at it that simplistically, oxygen can sometimes damage particular types of uh, I guess you say elements. So that's a bike, that's metal. Well, look at inside the body. Too much oxygen can also cause the same kind of damage on cells, which means you could probably have, like, rust buildup in your delicate cells. You already said about water. For our audience, they need to consume water because your body is 70% water. Your brain needs water. Your brain is pretty much fat and water. So by nourishing it with the right things, it can protect itself from that oxidation. So we have something natural that protects us from that oxidation. That's called melanin. Melanin serves as a natural protective antioxidant, not just on the outside of our body, but also inside of our body. Specifically today, we're speaking about what the brain. So just because you have melanin on the outside of your body, the pigmentation in your skin, we're not correlating that in any way to behavior. What we're correlating is the melanin in the brain to behavior. So we now have certain cells that are in the brain that are dark in color, such as the substantia nigra. Substantia substance nigra black. The Latin word for black substance in the brain. It's deep in the brain, in the midbrain. I mean, you can't even, like, pff, just go take a simple scan of the brain and there you see it. Even if you cut the brain and slice it and look deep inside, you have to go really, really into the core of the brain in the mid part area to see these dark cells. Well, they're dark and they also contain a specific neurotransmitter that's being emitted in order for the brain to function properly. That chemical is called dopamine. So without the melanin, without the dopamine, people can have some problems where the brain deteriorates. In this context, what we're speaking of is a disease in particular called Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease is labeled as a neurodegenerative disorder, so we can classify this in this context of talking about melanin and pathophysiology or the melanin and psychopathology. Beyond Parkinson's, we also have Alzheimer's disease, which is a neurodegenerative disease that destroys cells. So much of these 
I mean, it's still a mystery as to what's even causing this initial reaction where those cells are dying. Some people speak about free radicals that are formed. Free radicals are like uh, chemical species that are missing an electron, and they're now trying to find another chemical to attach to to relieve them, relieve itself of, you know, that change, and now it keeps on attacking other cells and other cells, and that's why the cells start to die or get damaged from free radicals. But free radicals are important. I mean, they're like a biological species that are there for a reason. For example, the other day I was in the kitchen cooking, and I just happened to cook, happened to cut my finger on a item in the kitchen. Like, why did I have to do this? Well, inf- inflammation happens when you get cut. Anywhere in your body you get cut, you feel like that little stinging turns red. You got the prostaglandins, you got the uh, cytokines, you got all these chemicals that come to that area to what protect you? Because there's bacteria everywhere. There are problems with foreign substances getting into your body, and if you cut yourself, you're now open. Your blood is now available for what foreign agents, well, free radicals can form to help to protect that. So on the one end, it's a good thing, but too much of it, guess what, can be a bad thing. So patho or pathogens or the pathology of cells result from chemical agents destroying those cells. So, any questions you have before we move forward? Oh, no, no. This is so interesting. Uh, So we now are understanding that melanin is a fabulous antioxidant, and so, therefore, inside of the body, it's going to keep the tissues from uh, deteriorating and eroding, and, therefore, inhibiting the deterioration of the function of the community or the organ that those cells may be a part of, right? Correct. And any imbalance where you cannot fight against that, you're going to have a problem in your body. Because you don't usually see these neurodegenerative disorders in young people. You usually see them in older people. When we say older, there's beyond the so-called century mark in life. And then as the brains become, I guess, more insulted by certain agents, it then can no longer fight as well, and now this double-edged sword of melanin being protective, it now becomes a problem because it's absorbed all those chemicals over the years that have been consumed. So it's still a mystery as to why the cells die, but you can think of uh, you know, mitochondrial abnormalities. We know mitochondria is the powerhouse in the cell. Any change in the mitochondria, the cell is not going to function right. You have uh, excitotoxic things that could happen, like let's say. You ever heard of uh, glutamate as a chemical substance? Glutamate uh, yeah. is, a, is, is that kind of is that related also to the uh, glutamate uh, used to break down protein to enhance the flavor of meat that also Absolute. breaks down. Absolutely correct. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> our audience know that glutamate is an amino acid. Period. It also functions as a neurotransmitter, but guess what? It's an excitatory neurotransmitter. So you have two types of neurotransmitters. You look at excitatory or inhibitory. So if it's excitatory, that means it's stimulating cells, which means too much of it can, guess what, overstimulate the brain. So that could cause some of the cells to die out. So monosodium glutamate, which is MSG, is nothing but a flavor enhancer. Well, it gives some people headaches because it stimulates those cells in the brain too much. So that's why you have some food items that say no MSG added. So the MSG is added to make you keep eating that chip. And the next chip, and the next chip, you eat the whole bag of chips. <laughs> so that's a problem. But what you have is these artificial flavors and things added to the foods to make you keep consuming. So excitotoxic things can occur, like with amino acids. You also have uh, maybe uh, calcium is a very important ion for the body, but too much calcium can destroy cells. Uh, so you have a, you have a host of chemical events that can what also be added to your genetics, to your chemistry and your genetics, and those problems lead to some people developing neurodegenerative disorders more so than others. So when we look at the problems, if you start looking at what causes it, we can start to look at how to prevent it. So most likely it's what we're putting into our bodies, what we're consuming. So when you have a lot of food items that are maybe processed, not actually natural, you start putting elements in your body that create, like, uh, free radicals in your body. So you start to have these reactions, consistent reactions, like reduction, oxidation reactions. 
that means reduction means you're changing the chemical nature of the element that was put into your body. Now it's now rotating, it's now circulating in the body, now looking for cells that it can actually destroy. So some bad stuff from, from like, say, eating processed foods could be superoxide radicals, hydroxyl radicals, hydrogen peroxide. These are all bad things, and they're collectively looked at as, uh, people look this up as reactive oxygen species. They all come from, like, the overproduction of oxygen, and it's now reaction to the cells causing these problems. Now, I mentioned hydrogen peroxide. So if you get a oh, yeah. cut... Okay, I was going to say that, that most people think hydrogen peroxide is good for them. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you look at on the outside of the body, if you cut yourself, and I guess you've been in the uh, hospital or you've treated people or, and you've had to help individuals who've had outside cuts and you want to prevent that infection... So they put hydrogen peroxide on the on the cut on the body, and if it fizzes up, what does that mean, Doc? That usually there's a what we call autolysis of cells cells that are going on causes so the a, cells. So it's yeah. not a good thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. indicating a problem at that site, like infection could probably occur. Right. Well, we're thinking it's the bacteria that are there, excess. Uh, mm bacteria that are there that they automatically are then exploding because they've come in contact with the... Uh, wow, that word exploded pretty deep. You're saying on the outside of the body, if you go ahead and put that hydrogen peroxide on that cut, you see some explosions. You're talking about maybe infection being, being uh, you know, dealt with, correct? Right. Well, it could be even inflammation because, you know, our own uh, immune system can become hyperactive at a site on okay. the body, and therefore we have too many white blood cells, et cetera, and if you add hydrogen peroxide, that will also cause them to explode. So it doesn't have to be necessarily outside pathogen, but it's just the accelerated uh, deterioration of a number of cells simultaneously. Right. So what I want to do is help the audience understand what you just said and what I'm mentioning, because you can use it as a home remedy, just go get some hydrogen peroxide from a drugstore and now put it on the outside of the body for to protect yourself from so-called infection. Well, imagine how those explosions are occurring inside the body when you have elements being created from eating processed foods. Exactly. Yeah. So if that hydrogen peroxide is exploding in your body, it's exploding in those cells, destroying those cells. That's where the pathology comes from. Mm-hmm. So check this out. You ever heard of a disease called amyotropic lateral sclerosis? Uh, yes, that is correct. Amyotropic lateral sclerosis, right. Uh, Lou Gehrig's disorder. Yeah, so the other name is Lou Gehrig's disease, and that was because one of the original people that they had labeled it with, Lou Gehrig was kind of famous as a New York baseball player who you know, would never quit, always would play, never gave up, fought hard on the field, but he developed this disease where it basically paralyzed him and eventually died. It was fatal. But amyotropic lateral sclerosis, they call it ALS, comes from destruction of the motor neurons in the spinal cord. So if those cells die, so we have to look at this also as a neurodegenerative disorder. If those cells die, anything dealing with the person's movement, even speaking of the lungs, (sighs) the lungs working so you can breathe, you're going to die. So your movement's impaired, you can't breathe, so anything that wants movement becomes a problem. Well, guess what one of the uh, so-called treatments is, or a location site they found for why it occurs. There's a dysfunction in a um, chemical called superoxide dismutase. Superoxide dismutase. Well, superoxide is... Superoxide itself is a radical. Guess what? The superoxide is mutase is the enzyme that breaks down the radical. That's deep because what the new research is showing is that the people who have ALS have that deficient. So they then want to come to ALS more so than somebody else would. So this enzyme is breaking down. So we now have some elements in nature that can help prevent us from having these bad things like these free radicals develop. So some natural things, a uh, kind of technical word, but glutathione, if someone wants to look that up and do some research on it, glutathione peroxidase, uh, that's something that's chemically in your body. It's good stuff to break down that those, those that bad oxygen 
the oxygen species. But naturally, you heard of ascorbic acid, <laughs> vitamin C, vitamin yeah. E. You know, so where do those things come from? The diet, natural foods, fruits, vegetables. So by consuming the things that are what life-producing, like from the sun, and consuming that, putting that in your body, you you create a better balance in your system for it to fight against those harmful free radicals. So pathogenesis. Yeah, well, you know, it was interesting listening to you list all of these uh, chemicals which have been relabeled as nutrients because you can basically buy all this in the natural food, superoxide, dismutase. You can buy that in the natural food store, uh, capsulized as well as, uh, of course, uh, ascorbic acid, which is your mm-hmm. vitamin C, and also you can buy glutathione, right. which is as a, a means of uh, helping to clear uh, excess bile and other toxins or residues that may have still resided in the liver out of the liver. So so what you're telling me is we are telling the audience they have the power to control how the body's going to respond to the world we live in rather than oh. being what pawns and puppets in the game. Always. So whether you're a pigmented or non-pigmented, highly pigmented or lightly pigmented, you have everything in control to eat pigmented foods to help your body what to respond properly. Right. Well, now that's important. I, I want to go back to, and comment on that key phrase you used, pigmented foods. Uh, we have a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back, but we need to talk about that, Dr. Moore, pigmented foods. We'll be right back. From Jewel Publications, Straight from the Heart by Dr. Jewel Pukram. An incredible volume of work, Dr. Jewel explores the genesis of disease, prostate health, and sexuality, as well as sharing a new look at the effects emotions play in the resolution of cancer. Straight from the Heart is an outpouring of wisdom that you will read over again. Get your paperback or ebook copy today. Hi, everyone. If you are just tuning in, we had a wonderful discussion on melanin and its neurologic effects on the brain. So today we've been really talking about the psychopathology of the melanin biopolymer or the psychopathology that literally can occur without it. And Dr. Moore, uh, you made a very interesting statement. You talked about pigmented foods as being very important because these pigmented foods literally uh, are direct nutrients and supplements for the melanin biopolymer. Can you talk more about that? Yes. So the pigmented foods contain like the energy that your body needs in order for it to be regenerated, if you think about it. When you go outside and the sun is shining, most people under normal situations feel good about that. Why? Because the sun serves as a regenerator that makes that melanin in your system activated. So it stimulates not just the melanin, but the chemical processes that allow the melanin to work properly, like vitamin D functioning. So if you look at the sun producing the pigmentation, it makes you feel better. So it's like the melanin on the outside of the body is assisting in the the, the cellular enhancement. Well, if you think about putting sun-enriched foods in your body, repeat that again, sun-enriched foods. That means food items that are what growing because the sun produced it and you now put that in your body. Those pigments are now serving the same purpose internally that the sun is serving to produce the pigment on the outside of the body. So, yes, without a question, berries, the fruits, and specifically those darker berries. The darker berry, what? Berry, what? The sweeter the fruit. It's a very powerful concept. I remember sometimes if I'm outside playing tennis, I got some blueberries, and I take them out of the refrigerator or wherever I may have had them. I just have them sitting out, let's say it's probably 85, 90 degrees out there playing tennis. You got these blueberries or raspberries sitting in a bowl, and you actually consume them after they've been sitting in the sun. It's like bursts of just sweet sweetness in your mouth. So that sun is exciting the molecules in that fruit item you now put that in your body, it now causes a whole level of what positive 
so-called molecules that can offset those negative chemicals that are in your body. All information dealing with problems with disease deals with what? Inflammation. Inflammation, that means the cells being too excited because guess what? We're putting a lot of garbage in our bodies, and as that gets into our bodies, our bodies are always fighting against something. Diabetes problems are now at an all-time high because of putting the wrong things in the body. Now it throws off the so-called pancreas, can't get the insulin, can't get the glucose to function right. So I want to shift gears here. There's two. There's another disorder I want to talk about that's called phenylketonuria, PKU. We'll talk about that a little later. But in this context of speaking about the fruits and the food items, what do you know about uh, coconut oil or coconuts in the medicinal Well, I know that uh, I kind of look at them as a wonder food uh, <laughs> for uh, gastrointestinal disorders. It uh, has fatty acids, specific fatty acids that are so vital for support of the immune system that maybe only recently, the last 10, 12 years, has Western medicine been able to identify how necessary those fatty acids are and prior to that time were causing a lot of problems for individuals who presented with uh, stomach bleeding and were diagnosed to have uh, gastric ulcers. And so, you know, they've done all kind of procedures on people from surgery to using all kinds of aluminum and heavy toxic products, Pepto-Bismol and everything else that they could possibly recommend, not recognizing that this was due to a bacterial infection. Western medicine finally figured that out. And then they still didn't know how to handle the bacteria. And finally, the information surfaced through. This was all a very ancient technique that someone noticed that in African places where coconut was a natural part of the, the diet, uh, the meat itself as well as the oil, they never had gastric ulcer problems, no problems in the upper intestines. So they found out that with the ingestion of pure coconut oil, that the fatty acids needed to promote immune function in the upper gastrointestinal tract occurred, and these people never had this problem with this. Um, the name of the bacteria is coming to me that... Uh, heliobacteria? Yeah, heliobacteria that is responsible for gastric ulcers. And so you just think about how many millions of people literally were mistreated and went through all kinds of procedures when all they had to do was include these fatty acids in the diet, and then the easiest way would be from ingesting pure, high-grade coconut oil. So a teaspoon twice a day for people that had severe gastric ulcers because they had this uh, carini bacteria infection naturally resolved this in just a matter of a week or two. Right. So on the Melanousia Melanousia Hour, you have your audience receiving this high-powered information. Here you used to be in the medical uh, realm and treating people in the hospital, telling them about maybe coconut water or and he probably had opposition from your fellow oh, doctors, you know, no like pink coconut oil. There's no, there's no prescription for that. You know, there's no bottle you can get that from and sell and make money off of that. And so that's, that, 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 error, that in lies the problem because here you are trying your best to treat people in a natural way, but you're in a system that's all about synthetic manufacturing of things. So you spoke about the ulcer or the... The, the I guess the, the digestion issues. Well, it really goes beyond that with how coconut and coconut oil is very powerful for brain functioning. You get studies now talking about how it can help relieve problems with Alzheimer's disease. You know, so this is now beyond the stomach. But guess what? Some people say Alzheimer's is like diabetes of the brain because glucose is not getting to the tissue. What is glucose? Glucose is what you need. It's your body's sugar for your body to function right. Your brain needs a whole lot of it, more so than any other body part that you have. So without getting that glucose into the brain, you're going to have some problems. So what happens is there's something called uh, ketones, K-E-T-O-N-E-S. Ketones are also in coconuts. 
So they're like an alternative source to get the sugar into the brain. So ketones are manufactured in other parts of your body, like the liver, you know, the metabolized. But as you just said, it's like they're like chains of fatty acids, specifically like triglycerides. So co- so coconut oil has like these triglycerides that are important for the brain to get its nourishment, and that can be used to help stop this pathogenesis we're referring to. And that's just a natural product. I've been to Brazil several times, stayed there for a couple of months, did work down there, and you stay on the beach, guess what? Everybody's drinking coconut water. Right out the door, coconut. Not packaged and processed. So you start to look at environments that may be consuming things like that. You can now look at the lower incidence of pathogenesis, specifically as we're talking about with the brain. So Well, I think, think it's of, very interesting. I, I just want to go back for one minute, though, Doc, because you said some very, uh, a very important thing there, You and people need to really hear that. This is the first time I've ever, ever heard of Alzheimer's being described as diabetes of the brain. Mm-hmm. And that is very significant. That is very significant because, you know, uh, modern medicine right now has never, ever made that correlation that <clears throat> diabetes literally has a direct effect on the brain of that nature. Of course, they, they talk about um, diabetic uh, retinopathy. Of course, that's mm-hmm. where the retina now is deteriorating. And they talk about peripheral neuropathy, where the nerve endings in the distal areas of the body, hands and feet and fingers and toes are having problems. Uh, nephretic kidney uh, neuropathy here, because again, degeneration of the nerve function in the kidneys, and so therefore the incidence of uh, renal. Uh, dysfunction leading to dialysis and then the amputation of the lower extremities and then obviously the hemorrhagic uh, retinitis that finally leads to uh, blindness in the diabetic. But they have not said that Alzheimer's, okay, literally is equivalent to having specifically diabetes of the brain. And that is very, very significant to think about because obviously it would make sense that this inability to handle glucose uh, is affecting all of the tissues. We've admitted to kidney, we've admitted to uh, optic or eye issues, uh, feet and hands, the peripheral nervous system is destroyed. But to recognize that this inability to handle sugar where the tissues cannot access it at will of the brain is, and that's, that's very significant. People should seriously think about that, and especially people who are already having uh, blood sugar uh, imbalances, and they're aware of that. This is this is very important. So, I just wanted to bring that out. And so, <clears throat> tell us then, um, are you recommending that the diabetics begin to take pure coconut oil, or what are you saying? Well. You're talking like an MD, so what do you say? <laughs> well, I am. What can I but, say? <laughs> well, I'm saying because you broke all those terms down about the retinitis or the neuropathies, and the ending portion of all those things was really loss of tissue, loss right. of cells. Right. So what is what is Alzheimer's disease? Atrophy of the brain. Yeah. What does atrophy mean? Loss of cells. Mm-hmm. So it's not really too difficult to think about when you mention all those other medical complications, guess what? Alzheimer's is the same thing. That's why people have those behavioral issues of can't remember things, start regressing, the behaviors change. I mean, it's like a real devastating behavioral change, but it's because the brain is deteriorating, shrinking, because one reason is it's not getting the nourishment it needs. Some people are related to aluminum deposits in certain areas of the brain specifically in the forebrain area that causes the destruction. You know, it could be genetic. Some people have certain enzymes or certain kinds of genetic genetic problems that then contribute. So it's not like it's just one chemical, one agent, one situation, because uh, there's some Alzheimer's cases that are not genetically transmitted. Uh, I think you've heard of Down syndrome, 
uh, uh, yeah, Down syndrome that's related to mental retardation. That's on chromosome 21. People with Down syndrome don't usually live a long life, but if they do, guess what? They develop Alzheimer's disease. So it's a relationship to then that chromosome and the possibility of it being genetically transmitted. You compound that with bad diet, yes, that's going to have to be a problem. So I'm not saying people who have diabetes, coconut oil is going to survive, you know, or coconut water will treat and cure their problem, but it certainly can attribute to a better source of natural elements that can assist their body to function properly. We're so stuck on, you know, these high fructose corn syrups and things like that for our sweetness that it makes the body overwork to try to alter that glucose level, and guess what? There was a body out of whack. So if you have natural sources like coconut oil or coconut water, and I, I want to really talk about this oil thing because I want to get back to that bike that you don't ride that's sitting in your garage because you don't No, say, no, uh, but let me, let me say this about one. Let me just throw this in so people can understand this. You know, the spin class, that you know, which is riding a stationary bike and different methods to exercise all parts of the body, especially the cardiovascular system. Uh, it is uh, quite stimulating and uh, really uh, builds your endurance, and it requires that. It causes you to use the largest muscle mass, muscles of the body on a continuous basis for a minimum of uh, one hour. And um, we have like 30 seconds usually about three or four times during that hour to uh, refresh ourselves with water. But what I have noticed is that if that water is balanced, and many of us now understand that if we have coconut water in our um, water containers as opposed to just water, the uh, spin class goes to a whole other level because it becomes extremely enjoyable because the constituents, or should I say the, yeah, the constituents that form the coconut water, how they are combined immediately goes into the cell and for whatever reason really regenerates the whole uh, glycolysis cycle and the mitochondria. I mean, you know, you just go to a whole new level if you refresh yourself with small amounts of coconut water throughout that vigorous exercise as opposed to just water. Can you tell us a little more about that since you're a neurophysiologist? Uh, I can talk about this part of it, and that is, now, to prevent that rust that was on that bike that you don't ride, that the, not the stationary one, the real one that the, you got to go down the hill with and take a couple miles right. up that. Now, uh-huh. you ever heard of rust-oleum? Of course. So rust-oleum is like a chemical that can be sprayed on to what reduce that rust and just wipe it clean. It's not really that bad, and now it will survive. So rust-oleum becomes like an oil that can what prevent that oxidation. So fatty, your brain is fat. So your tissues, you have a lot of fat in your tissues. So when you talk about oily compounds, eating the right oils, uh, eating with the right oils, that is, like olive oil, cooking with certain types of oils, not, not, I guess, highly hydrogenated vegetable oils. When you cook with certain kinds of oils, it's better for your system. So as you're exercising, your system needs to be oiled. That stationary bike or the bike that moves on the street, it needs to be oiled because if not, the parts don't work right. So when you talk about exercising and the question you're asking about consuming the right things while you're going through the exercising process, yes, putting the right oils in the system that's being what mechanically generated and activated is going to be much better for the system to work properly. So I, I would definitely go along with your uh, the position on consuming the right things, not the Gatorade, Powerade, which you look at the label, it has what, the artificial this, artificial that in it. So I'm not a proponent at all for consuming those types of items. So do you use uh, coconut water uh, while you play tennis? I haven't mastered that technique yet. (laughs) Okay. I only only say that because uh, I, you know, consume water and replenish my body with uh, eating natural foods while I play, but no, I have not advanced to that stage yet, because I have to look at the type of oil that I, or 
coconut water that I buy to consume, and I have not done that experiment on myself yet. But science has shown, for those that have pathogenetic problems, it does enhance their behavior, their physiology. Okay. Well, Dr. Moore, we're going to let everybody's uh, neurons have a, a moment of rest. You've really stimulated them and given us a lot of information, and I just want people not to forget that the Jewel Network is broadcasting every day. And so, therefore, tomorrow is Thursday, and we have Dr. Delbert Blair, who will be with us starting at 7.30, sharing with us the truth of consequences for 2012. And, well, as on Friday, we have Music for the Mind of a Scientist at 7 p.m. So, again, the Jewel Network, Justify the Enchanted with Enlightened Living, broadcasting to you the sciences of life and living. And we're just a baby station right now, but oh, I'm just so excited about the um, quality of scientists that are uh, joining the network, uh, and we'll have our spring um, bloom that will be occurring because we'll be bringing more of the sciences uh and now with all of these changes that are happening on the planet uh, and all of the elements, et cetera, I think it's exciting for you to be able to have this broadcasted to you on a regular basis, just like you listen to a jazz program. You can listen to the sciences of what's literally happening because you will need to know this information to be successful in the 21st century. And as a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Blair, uh, we've been talking about metamorphosis and tissue transformation at this uh, precipice of moving into another 10,000-year cycle and the closing of a previous 10,000-year cycle. And what we're noticing is that with the constitution of the elements totally changing, our water constitutes, the constituents of our water have changed, the um, soil is changing. We've got articles showing that now the half-life uh, and decay of many of the elements in our soil is has changed, the half-life has become uh, longer and the rate of decay is prolonged. Uh, So with those elements being part of the constitution of our tissues, that means literally that we now see elementally that we, our tissues are going to be living longer. So this whole concept of immortality is literally becoming confirmed on so many different levels, 70% of the air that we breathe is composed of the element nitrogen and has always been there. And so now with this question of the uh, oxygen diminishing, it was always somewhere only between 16 to 20% of the composition of, of uh, air that the tissues are now increasing their capacity to utilize more of the star element, which is nitrogen. So since nitrogen is necessary to form all proteins and we're going to be able to extract and utilize more nitrogen from the air, which has always been available to us. So I I think it's interesting that the genes for us to use the nitrogen were dormant. And now with all these changes and shifts, the genes that allow us to use nitrogen and to use it efficiently are becoming activated. What would you postulate would perhaps be the future activity and action of a brain that is now going to be using nitrogen and literally become really fueled by the gas nitrogen as opposed to oxygen. Based on your research and, you know, your observations of the brain, knowing that every thought is a neuropeptide, which all have to contain nitrogen, what do you think is going to be happening with the thoughts and what about brain tissue function? Can you give us some idea about what we can look forward to relative to the new types of brains that we're now creating based on the shift of all the elements uh, on our planet? Yeah, people who are horticulturists that you know grow food or plant or work with the landscape, you know they have to have certain kinds of um, I guess fertilizer that is nitrogen based or has a certain 
level of nitrogen in it to make the food grow in a certain way or grow better than other uh, plants may grow. So you see the importance there. So if you're speaking about a change in the environment in the future as a result of the you know planet going through some uh, changes, the body is also going to respond to that. What is happening in neuroscience today is that we no longer look at just chemicals as neurotransmitters. Guess what's also looked at as neurotransmitters now? Gases. What's the first gas that has been known as a neurotransmitter? Nitrous, nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is now a gas that's known to be a neurotransmitter. You can't really measure a gas when you're like taking out the brain and say, hey, whoop, there it is. You actually have to use an enzyme to say what processes it. The enzyme that processes nitric oxide is uh, nitric oxide synthase. So anybody can do any research on that, NOS, NOS. This is big research right now in stress work. So I have a little bit of that going on in my lab right now. We have you know, rodent experiments where we're studying the, level, the changes in NOS levels and something also called CFOS in the brains of rats that are going through certain kinds of stress. So if the current research is talking about the importance of this gas, how important it is with brain functioning, and you're saying right now with the metamorphosis occurring and the planet going through changes, we could probably see an elevation in consciousness or people being able to handle stress better if they have a nitrous, nitric oxide system working in their body. Well, what I saw very clearly was the fact that if you give nitric oxide to uh, most individuals up to this time, their neurons could not handle it. They really couldn't handle it. So what it did is it put them in an uh, amnestic state. So that's why for minor procedures, et cetera, you could give them nitrous oxide and they literally didn't have any pain or, you know, they would become very giddy and joyful. But now if that is going to be a major constituent of our air, can you imagine that people are going to be much more joyful? <laughs> That's amazing. Happier, and also, obviously, they will have much more etheric and elevated thinking. Their thoughts will be of a different frequency because they can now better utilize in a conscious awareness the nitrogen that in the air, the elevated nitrogen. How about that? Wow, so nowhere on the planet except for the melanology arrow would that even be expressed, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it may be true then that we're heading toward heaven on earth because if that's a state of consciousness where people are more at peace and joy, and obviously the air now is uh, definitely losing its oxygen content and therefore what has always been present has been lots of nitrogen, and if our tissues are mutating, transforming, metamorphosing to allow us to use that nitrogen, and we know that nitrogen in the past has always made us happy, happy gas, okay, mm-hmm. has uh, always caused us to be much more etheric in our thinking. Well, I guess that's going to be part of what we're going to see. Yeah, and, and nit- yeah, nitrous oxide is the laughing gas. Nitric oxide is the actual neurotransmitter, so two different forms. But right. they're dealing with, nitrogen. as you said, the, the, the uh, gaseous element, nitrogen, period. Amazing. Yeah, I love it. Okay, that's great. <laughs> okay, well, you know, let, does anybody want to talk to the doctors? So do you want to talk to Dr. Moore or you want to talk to myself? Please call us. We'd love to uh, hear from you. So if you call us at 347-215-9531, we're here. That's 347 347- Two one five nine five three one, and so we'll be right back after this message. That'll get you uh, a few moments to get to the phone to make the call, and we'll be right on the lines with you. And as a matter of fact, we've got one caller already, area code two five four. So if you'll just hold on after this message, Dr. Tim and I will be right back with you. We'll be right back. Would you like to be smarter? More at peace in your life? Are you searching for a greater spiritual connection? All of this and much more can be yours by enrolling in Dr. Jewel's Balancing Program. Many participants feel effects from day one, and in no time you can enjoy the physiological effects equal to eight hours of meditation in as little as 15 minutes a day. 
to learn more and sign up for Dr. Jewel's balancing program, please visit our website, www.thejewelnetwork.net. Greetings, greetings. Okay, well, we're back, and Dr. Moore, everybody wants to talk to you. You're so popular. So you've got lots of calls here, so let's get busy because we've only got maybe about nine minutes left of the show. So area code 254, thank you for holding. You're here with Dr. Jewel and Dr. Moore. How can we help you? Area code 254, are you there? Area code 254. Okay, well, we'll let you uh, reorganize, and we'll move on to the next call. Area code 917. 917, are you there? Hi. Yes, hi. Yes, well, welcome. Uh, the Mel yes, Yes, hello? Yes. Do you have a question for Dr. Moore or myself? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, good evening to both uh, yourself and Dr. Moore. Uh, question I have, uh, it's, it's kind of related to what you were saying, but just like I've been uh, changing my diet and I've been uh, doing some research. I'd like to have your thoughts thoughts on uh, wheatgrass. Uh, I heard wheatgrass is and I, is mainly for folks who have a lack of vegetable intake on a daily basis. So wheatgrass is extremely uh, nutrient as far as <clears throat> all of the uh, uh, minerals that you, uh, one needs. Um, and, 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 and also, is wheatgrass good for um, hair regeneration? Okay, okay well, Dr. let you take that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily know about the medicinal effects that occur from consuming it on a long-term basis. I know that when you go to juice bars, you usually get shots of what, wheatgrass starting off before you consume some of the other items. So wheatgrass itself is probably highly uh, enriched with some of the things we even just talked about, like nitrogen, as a very dark, uh, chemical, dark substance. And then you consume that, that wheatgrass then contains the earth elements that your body needs to function properly. I personally, like I said, do not consume that, so I cannot give you the feeling, what happens physiologically as a consumer. You, you could probably share best with us how it affects your body, but wheatgrass certainly is at the level of containing those basic nutrients coming from the earth that your body needs because we're nothing but a microcosm of the macrocosm. When you start putting mm. essential elements like the the uh, from even the iron, we used to cook out of iron pots. We don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? You can eat a Teflon. You can't eat Teflon. It's nothing to do with your body being you know healthy. So we're dealing with the issue of wheatgrass being a natural element that can enhance the uh, the, the, I guess, physiology in your system. Right, right. Yeah, that's why, I mean, I take the shot. I uh, <clears throat> I don't buy the uh, wheatgrass by itself since it seems like there's a lot of preparation involved, so I just get the frozen one. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just begun, so I'm not sure how, uh, what the reaction was is going to be, but I, I just began, um, I'll say, two weeks ago. So that's right. not enough time for me to, uh, you know, and all different. I would do is encourage you to just go ahead and pick up a uh, health nutrition book and start, you know, guiding yourself through the process and look at, mm-hmm. you know, what others have said in terms of how it can be used for medicinal purposes. So that would then be your guide. You'd be then the master of how it is that your body responds to certain food items. We don't we don't eat pigmented foods like a lot of curries or using turmeric in our foods here in North America, but other cultures, like the Indian culture, that do that, guess what? They have a lower incidence of these neurodegenerative disorders that we've talked about. So mm-hmm. you're taking the first step to then see what your body needs. So I would just encourage you to go get some health-related books where you can now start building a library, and now you can start teaching us. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, right. I, you know, well, well, this is, I, I always have to throw this out, and um, this is why it's so important that you really begin to listen to us about the power of melanin and about what is happening with your environment because Dr. Moore said it, you got to start hooking, put the, putting together the dots. We're made out of light. Everything else is made out of light. 
So it's not necessarily what we've been led to think is in these foods. We are talking about, uh, talking about being able to access clear, clean frequencies of ourselves to renew ourselves, known as the electromagnetic spectrum. Melanin is so very important because melanin is the biological form of the electromagnetic spectrum. It is the electromagnetic spectrum that is in a biological circadian rhythmic process on an ongoing basis of change. So if you can think of like these lights that they have on the Christmas tree and the light is constantly changing color, it's constantly changing its frequency, that is what melanin is. It is this pigment that constantly changes its frequency that supports the flow of this energy known as life force. So everything is changing on the planet. And what you want to focus on is what is it going to take for your tissues to be able to support absorbing light from any source that may be available to you. So they've talked about, for example, the worst uh, nuclear accident that has uh, occurred in the last 25 years, which is Fukuyama, uh, the water contaminated now, the soil is contaminated, all kind of things. What can they do with uh, wheatgrass when there's no place to basically grow it? So is the issue really focusing on whether we're going to take a vitamin or a mineral or wheatgrass, or is it focusing on being able to enhance the melanin molecule psychologically so that it can be more efficient unto itself and to be able to use more efficiently any other form of light that we may take in that we call food, et cetera, to get us through this time of transition. This is very important because I keep saying that we're in a metamorphosis. And all the organisms that I know of that go through a metamorphic state, there is a phase where there's no ingestion of any energy outside of itself. They're in a chrysalis. So, therefore, they're still making this profound change. Every cell in the body has been imbued with enough energy on its own that it's making a change without any ingestion of anything outside of itself. This is what is being asked of each and every one of us as the earth is going through this transition. So the capacity to focus on your melanin to ensure that it is going to be able to store enough of itself, high-quality, clear frequencies of itself so that if you were isolated or your food intake, regardless of what it is, had to diminish, your melanin is so potent that it would allow yourself to be able to make the transformations necessary to handle and to thrive in the new environment. And this is not, it's not what is being told to people. This is why the dual network has created itself to guide you through this delicate time, a switchover of 10,000 years and on into the 21st century. And this is why it's so important to pay attention to what we're saying here because you're not getting this information, and I'm very concerned about it because without individuals knowing what is happening to them, they're going to be like the caterpillars that didn't stop eating on the impulse of their bodies, didn't go into their chrysalis, and they were washed away and died on the floor of the forest. So this is why you have to pay attention and recognize when we tell you that there's a coronal mass ejection from the sun because the sun is totally switching itself, and it is sending huge amounts of energy to this planet, how are you going to look at that and handle it? Because that energy is the same energy that will also bump up and activate new genetics for your body to be able to handle the new radiation that it's being exposed to. We're not victims here. And so, therefore, we've got the sound, the one buzz here that it's time for us to go. 
Dr. Moore. You've done an exquisite thing here, and we can look for Dr. Moore uh, more frequently, and we're working that out. Thank you, everybody. Tune in tomorrow for Truth of Consequences with uh, Dr. Blair at 7.30, and tune in again on Friday for Music for the Mind of a Scientist, and we're going to continue talking about this metamorphic state you're going through. You've got to understand it. Love you very much. Thanks, Dr. Moore. Peace. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you.